Vox Bus. If we are not coming from our heart in that, that is perceived so very quickly, you know? And we are reinforcing all of the reasons that perhaps they did not want to give in the first place. If we're coming from heart in that, they sense that, they feel that, and they believe those words that come out because they're watching us embody that and they're watching us live that. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Relationship of Business Through the Lens of Giving. I have a conversation with Thomas Duchin. Thomas recently moved down the street from me with his partner, Alexa, and I'm really excited about this new friendship that we have started. So let me tell you a little bit about Thomas. At the age of 19, at the University of North Carolina, As a group project, he and a few other student friends created a company called Daymaker. So what is Daymaker? Daymaker helps employees connect with their community, their team, and themselves through the intentional act of giving and receiving. Thomas is the co-creator and the CEO at Daymaker. And Thomas is a believer in the story of love and our interconnectedness as humans. It's these beliefs that led him to create a company premised upon people's inherent goodness and their call to realize it fully. And for Thomas, Daymaker is a great teacher and mirror as he discovers for himself what it means to give and to receive. And I really enjoyed having this conversation with my new friend Thomas. And he is 25 years old, folks. And let me tell you, if you have any doubt about our future generation, listening to people like Thomas will give you tremendous amount of hope for the future of the world, being in the hands of people like him. Mm -hmm. So before we get on to the conversation, I want to thank those of you that have recently donated to my podcast. And if you are inclined to do so, You can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, and you can press support the podcast page, and you can leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring financial donation. It is greatly appreciated. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, would love if you would leave us a review. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. I sure did. Right, my man Thomas. Thanks, man, for coming in the studio today. We just met what two weeks ago. You were working on a, a driveway project of sorts. Yeah, the road uh, project that we had in the neighborhood, and and you're a newcomer to the neighborhood. Six weeks. Six weeks old. Yeah, and we had just a wonderful conversation, and I knew that I wanted you on the podcast. So I'm so glad that you said. Yes, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. And it's so delightful to be in this space with you and Rainbow and feel the love that you've cultivated here and are cultivating. And yeah, mm. I'm excited for this. Mm. But I feel the love that you're cultivating <laughs> and, you know, with Alexa yeah. and that you're grounded here in, in this land and want to be here and what you're doing out in the world. And, and I'd yeah. love to talk because we had this quick talk about yeah. love in the workplace and how that's transforming and you're part in it. And so I'm just curious of how you see some of that happening and you're, you're out in the world and talking to organizations. You know, what are you seeing? What do you want? Yeah. So for a long time in my life, as I moved closer to my calling and, and service, I would distinguish business as separate from that, right? And so I had my meditation practice and I had how I desired to show up for my friends and how I desired to show up for strangers. And then there was business, you know? And that dichotomy, that separation, prevented me from showing up with heart in the realm of business. 
And as I found through the past year and I'm continuing to discover on this journey, business can be the best spiritual practice. You know, there's this arena where you're beaten down time after time after time. And in each of those, there's this opportunity to choose how I want to show up. And at some point I even like resented it, you know, and I played the whole, I'm going to run away and be a monk. I want to meditate. I want to pray. I want to feel connected. And then I realized that business gives me 200, 300, 400 opportunities in any given day to choose how I want to respond, you know? And right now maybe 390 of those are coming from fear and separation, but there's those 10 moments of, wow, I'm connected to something bigger and I'm bringing that into the world through this form. And for that, I feel a lot of gratitude and love curiosity for what the future may hold as well. And how is that happening with people that you're working with? I mean, just being around you, it's contagious with that. You're so grounded in that aspect of coming back to the heart and what you're doing in your organization that you developed that we'll get to with some friends. And But how are you seeing that interplay? Because we spend most of our time in our interactions during the day is with work. It's not most of the time unless we're working with family and so forth. It's not with people around that we love, but we're cultivating love hopefully differently in in the workplace. How is that with some of the people that you work with? I shared a little bit prior to us hitting live at Daymaker, which we will also, I'm sure, weave in, are really about putting love in the world by helping people uncover their connection to generosity. And so it can be a beautiful mission. It can be something we really aspire towards. And it can also be something where we come up short with how we treat each other, you know? And it's, how do I treat our COO? How do I treat our director of operations? How am I treating the head of people experience who we're interfacing with at a company that's using our platform? And for me, those are the opportunities to put love into the world. That is the work, you know? And it's not something that I have figured out yet, right? But even recently we had, we found out we were being audited by the state of New York. And typically those are not the most heart centering, (laughs) heart opening processes, right? Holy shit. (laughs) Um, And what I tried to do or what Daymaker wanted to do there was, this is what is showing up. This is the work. Mm. This is not a burden to going and doing the things that are in the mission. This is the mission. And if you can't show up here from a place of love, then what does it mean to go out and talk to companies and their people about being more generous, right? If you can't feel connected to this person, what does it mean to go tell the 26-year-old giving that they could feel connected to the child that they are helping? And so it is quite the journey for me. And I feel like we're at just the very beginning of it. But how do I trust that everything that shows up is coming from the universe for Daymaker, for our healing, for our growth, for our exploration, but that is the work, you know? And it was funny enough with the case of that, we found out we had a massive fine, probably like 40% of our cash flow for the year. I mean, mm. this is outrageous, right? Mm. Um, some weird stuff happened. And we resisted it and then it got turned over to collections and we're going back and forth. And again, I don't know if, you've, if anybody has dealt with collections, not the most heart-centered <laughs> vehicle. Right. And at some point, like we let it go and we're like, cool, we're gonna be with this. And I kid you not, we got news last week, the fine's completely gone. Oh man, nice. Like a a series of miraculous (laughs) events. But for us, it was like the universe was like, how are you gonna show up in this, right? So you actually embraced it and allowed it, and that's when it didn't Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Which, to weave into your first point, business is not somewhere, if you're a person who is cool with the idea of flowing with the universe, right? And trusting what comes and letting go of the things that don't serve you that doesn't stop when you walk into your quote unquote business, right? That's actually where it's needed most. And so for that, it's a continued exercise. And are we following that way of being or are we falling into this story of, well, capitalism doesn't allow us to to move freely, right? Or to flow with what is. And every day is that challenge. You know, every day I find myself falling into the story of separation and the story of scarcity and the story of not having enough. And then can I see that? And can I have compassion and then say, okay, and we don't wanna be this way, you know? Mm. This isn't going to serve this like being daymaker that wants to be birthed. It doesn't want to come out of the story of scarcity, you know? It wants to come out of the story of abundance. It wants to come out of the story that you and I see living here each and every day 
and the trees with the birds with the crickets like it's a story of aliveness of enriching what we have yeah sweet and before we get more into it, I'd love for you to just tell a little bit about like Daymaker. Yeah. People are probably saying, what the hell is Daymaker? <laughs> yeah. You know, even though I'm going to talk a little bit about it in the intro, how did it come about? Why is it so important to you? Daymaker at present is a employee giving tool that enables employees within companies to read about specific under-resourced children and buy items off their needs list at specific times of year. So think back to school, think holidays, employers are coming onto their custom page, reading about specific children, buying those items. For us, that is a first step in what we hope to be a much longer giving journey with that employee. We found Daymaker to be accessible to all types of givers. Um, it's convenient enough that we're not asking somebody to spend a day volunteering when they haven't opened and felt the joy accessible via giving and service. And so we look at what we've built as a really beautiful first step. And as we think about the future, it's how can we guide somebody deeper into that journey of giving and service? And how can we do it in the context of a group so that feeling is amplified? So you're feeling more connected because of these acts that you're sharing together as a, as a cohesion. We got started six years ago when we were undergrads at the University of North Carolina. And the intention at the time was not explicitly what it is now, but I think Daymaker knew at the time we were called Community Gift. Um, mm. We needed a name like 24 hours before our first launch. And we're like, Community <laughs> Gift, Community Gift. And there's a whole series of stories there where we were on like the phone once with a Catholic charity and they were like, Communion Gift, we will definitely be partnering and did not correct them. <laughs> um, but Daymaker knew, I think, what it wanted then. And so it birthed these three 19-year-old kids with this idea of putting some element of offline giving online and opening it up to people and... And that narrative has weaved for five and six years and there's been things that have felt important at times and we've thrown all of our beings at it and then we've zoomed out and said, wait, that wasn't it, but we needed to do that to realize this. And so it feels for the first time that we're finally landing. We're finally mm. like finding where our feet fall on the ground and saying, this is what we're about. And for me, that's being about love. And that can be tough too in the world of business to go in and say like, we are about love. Yeah, Actually, what, what happens when you go into some of these businesses and that's, I'm sure that you, yeah. I know, knowing you, Thomas, that you say, yeah, we're about love. And do they look at you and just go, what, you know, here's the door, man. Like, yeah. what, what? Love is our essence, right? But what is the form that we are encapsulating that essence? And so if I'm meeting with the head of people who just told me the reason they're running a giving program is because it helps them with recruiting, it's probably not going to be of the greatest service to anybody. And actually, I think it can be my ego that wants to go in and say, well, I'm about love, you know, like, look at, look at me holier than now. I'm talking about love at Goldman Sachs. Um, <laughs> and so I think for me, it's how do I take that essence and meet somebody exactly where they are? So that message can start to be weaved in. And maybe at some point they feel the desire to use the word love, you know, mm. and that's wonderful. But that is part of love, right? Acceptance. Right. So if you're exuberating acceptance mm. in the moment with somebody where they're at, they're feeling that and they're feeling that essence of being seen, being validated and being acknowledged in some form. So whether they name it love or not, they're experiencing it. Yeah. I think about that with your practice, right? Mm. That you hold this knowing of why well, I've seen thousands of these sessions and I know what people are really getting at, but it might not serve somebody to call out their narcissism right. when, when that's expressing. So how do you meet somebody exactly where they are? Yeah. Yeah. I got to meet myself there. I got to meet myself in the place of acceptance of maybe a wound, a place of uh, fucking up, making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's an aspect of that. I'm not, like you said, holier now walking into a session that I know more what's going on. I want to just hold a space and meet people where they're at. I loved when you said earlier about you, how you refer to like Daymaker. Daymaker as this alive entity that is as much in relationship with you and the other people as it is itself. So it made me start to think of, I want to start referring to heart share, heart mm -hmm. share counseling, not my practice or my counseling, but heart share has this whole history of all the people that I've interacted with, the people that I haven't interacted with, but know about it and the, the domino effect of maybe what goes on in the room and affects other people and their families and friends and so forth. So I just got this like warm hit about referring of this, this alive entity that I'm part of and not that I'm driving or that I'm the head of. I, I really like that. 
Thank you for saying that. And it, it's a good reminder for me to fall into that space because I come back to the question often, it's who am I serving? And I want to be in service to Daymaker, right? I happen to be one of the chief culprits behind this creation at present moment. And that has been different in the past and it may be different in the future. But I want to be in service to its knowing, right? And its desire to become something larger. And I'm not a parent, um, you are. But it's like, I imagine we had a little bit of a glimpse of this earlier this year. You become the guide to the spirit that wants to actualize, that wants to be born, right? That wants to grow up and, and achieve its calling. And Daymaker is no different. And I'm just its guide, right? And so how do I listen as I imagine you did to Xander to like, what is it really saying, right? And then how do I guide that into existence? Not my own desires for it, right? Which I've definitely played in. There's been plenty of my ego and all of this. And there still is because I'm not beyond that. But I find a lot more joy when I'm like, how am I serving Daymaker, right? Mm. Daymaker is alive. It wants something. It chose me to be a part of this. Now, how do I tune into that, right? Because I can tell you that the story that Daymaker is running is not fear. It's not scarcity. It's not one that's looking for validation. The story of Daymaker is this deep knowing of like what is true and what is good in the world. And so if I'm in that frequency, man, I'm going to have awesome days, mm -hmm. you know? But if I fall into the frequency of this powerful mind, probably not going to have such joyful days, you know, and I'm going to worry that, oh, a certain customer, like they call back and they're not going to use the platform. And oh my goodness, maybe we're not building something of value. And maybe we've tricked ourselves and that I don't find joy tuned into that frequency. Yeah. And I think finding your own joy and connection with that is, is so important because I know I got to sit back in my day and saying how much of me and not that people have to entertain me in the day, but how much have I really put in myself that I've received from witnessing maybe connection or witnessing transformation. It's, it's purposeful. It's so meaning and how I went from being a sole practitioner to a podcast. And I think I, I would ever develop a podcast and knowing that it's touching people and I get some responses from people that I don't know about how it's doing. So it really makes me, when I come into the studio too, it's like, okay, I don't know who it's gonna reach, I don't know who it's gonna touch, but as we started off that we didn't put on here is the first thing he says, all right, man, let's have some fun. Yeah. And it is a fun conversation yeah. and not make it, has to be a certain way. Is also, I want to get something out of yeah. it. And I think it's so important because that's going to come through into the, in the work that I give. So how do you tune into that reception, right? Because I imagine you sit down, you have eight sessions in a day, you know, and you're holding space and you're offering something to these people that are sitting in front of you. And there's a story that you could run of, well, I people, I'm of service to them. I'm doing them a favor. Um, I'm helping save relationships, which in reality you are. But then how in that moment, because that story, that frequency is probably not going to bring you the same joy as sitting back and being like, wow, yeah. I get to hold this space. I get to bear witness to love coming through mm. this form. Yeah. So how do you tune into that receiving? Well, it's funny. I have this little ritual that I don't do every day, but I try to do every day. Kind of like growing up with sports, how, you know, in a locker room, there might be some credence across and all the guys <laughs> put their hand on it to remind them, you know, that something of a saying. On my door to my office, my nameplate says Prepo Toplitsky HB. And the credential of HB is human being mm. to me. It's not, you know, master's degree yeah. and licensed counselor. And a lot of my colleagues, when I put it up years ago, were really pissed off. You can't put that up. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, I can do anything <laughs> I want to do. So I kind of tapped that to remember I'm a human being. Yeah. I'm walking with these people and bring my humanness to my work not just my expertise yeah. but my humanness and so for me a lot of the humanness is just really understanding the aspect of compassion and empathy and holding space for what is even the the complication and the confusion and as human beings we will walk we will move through it we might not know and I, I get caught up at the times where I think I should know something at the moment instead of just like stay stay just being with this human being and just looking at this human being and not have to fill it with words in the moment is a healing moment and then it comes so remind myself of the humanness and my my human beingness um, helps me bring that grounded aspect of how I want to bring myself to the work 
Mm. And I don't know what that is each day. And that's what's so cool, how that's going to show up. So something really struck when you talked about you should know something. And then how can you sit in that unknowing? And oftentimes, I, and most times, I feel like I have to be something, right? I am took an airplane to a city and I'm seeing customers and I'm like, okay, well, I'm expected to be this like really excitable, generous spirit that is gonna get somebody excited about giving. And you know, some days I wake up and I think everything we're doing is bullshit. And I'm so disconnected from its source. And I'm like, I do not wanna talk about giving today. I don't feel like I'm a generous person. I actually feel really selfish. I feel really caught in these patterns. And somebody said to me, they're like, how do you trust that exactly as you are is what is of service today maker, Mm -hmm. right? So when I come back to that question of, are you serving heart share? Am I serving day maker? When I'm serving day maker, I trust that what I am is what is needed. But when I'm serving my mind or my desires, then I don't trust that, right? And I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, I should be more excited right now. You know, I should feel more empathetic even to one of our employees when sometimes I'm just, I'm not there, you know? Right. And and that rejection of self further detaches me from this being of day maker. I've actually never given this example. So maybe I'm speaking from the future, but um, there was a morning I woke up and we had like five really busy afternoon and I woke up and I was really down and I had a really a very tender meditation and I didn't want to get on these calls and I didn't want to talk about giving and I just wanted to be in my own space. And so I chose not to have a coffee that morning. Most mornings I wake up, Alexa and I make our mocha and get our raw milk from Earth Haven and <laughs> have our latte, right? And this morning I was like, this feels incongruent to drink caffeine just mm. for some reason. You know, it feels like I'm gonna overpower this tenderness. Mm. And didn't have the coffee, a couple of hours go by, um, I'm sitting with it. And then suddenly this beautiful swell of grounded excitement comes up, right? Like six minutes before the first of a series of calls. And it being a really beautiful day. Those were like beautiful calls, like from the heart. Because like I let what Daymaker wanted be. I needed that morning to be tender, right? Mm. I needed to just like let live what wanted to live. And so often I'm like countering that, you know? Like, well, Thomas, the way you are is not good enough. So manufacture something else, be something else for this business. And what I've found is when I just show up as I am, the results are so much more beautiful because I'm coming from that place of joy, you know? And so I imagine for you, when you're sitting across from a couple, you could pull the, oh, I recognize this pattern and I can impress them even with these words. And maybe even they would walk out saying, Prepo is freaking smart, man. That guy, he knows all about couples. But at a deeper level, like if you maybe you sat in that silence and sat with that unknowing, maybe that's going to be more healing for that couple, right? Yeah. And so when I'm across from a company talking about giving, maybe like the joy I'm talking coming from my heart is doing a lot more than using the pretty words that I used two weeks ago. That's right. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of saying that, you know, and that's trusting ourselves, trusting our own efficacy. You know, for me, I've said it before, efficacy of knowing that I've done something in the past, therefore I know I can do something similar in the future. So it's trusting myself in those moments, trusting when I don't know what the fuck to say in the moment, you know. I I remember in in psychology, sometimes in therapy, we talk about counter-transference, and counter-transference means what is mine as the practitioner? What's my, let's say, unresolved emotional stuff? How is that showing up in the session? It's just about being aware of it. Like what if I look at you, you're my client, maybe you remind me of somebody, the way that you speak instantly, my Rolodex of the past goes and I might have a little bit of bias in it. And I remember I was with a couple years ago and they were just kind of going at it and they were pretty volatile. I tried many things and I started getting a little bored, right? You know, and like, ah, oh, there they go again. And I remember saying that to a colleague about the session. And he said, well, why don't you play out that counter-transference? I'm like, yeah, okay. I didn't know what the fuck you meant. And like, I don't, what do you mean play out the counter-transference? So the next time, the same thing happened. They started doing it. I tried some intervention, nothing. They're still going at it. I can see myself drift off. And I remember, ah, oh, play out the counter-transference, boredom. So I actually got up from my seat, I took my watering can, I started watering the plants around the room, you know, and they're still going at it. And then I started to walk towards my office door and I was gonna open up the door to, to, to walk out. And just at that moment, she yells out, what, where the hell are you going? And I thought, oh shit, you know, that pregnant moment. And I just looked, I said, well, look, you guys aren't working. I got things I can do, you know, in the other room. And right at that moment, they both looked at me and they said, you're right, we're not working. 
And boom, they started focusing, got right down to it. And I went, holy shit. You know, that's just an example of like bringing the moment into the moment. That was, to me, I didn't think about that as some psychological psychotherapy technique that I'm gonna come in for intervention. I wouldn't like advocate doing that all the time, but you know, <laughs> that worked for me in the moment of what was showing up for myself. It created a little more trust in, in that part of like just knowing that. I had some other clients I remember where she was talking and I intervened really fast for maybe solution-based. And she just looked at me and she said, this is not what I need, you know? I, I, I just, I, I'm not paying you for this. And real quickly, you know, a little bit of my defense, I didn't say, what do you mean paying me, no, 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 for, for what? And, and I sank back and said, yeah, you know, this is not, she just needs some space. I don't have to come with some brilliant intervention right now. That was probably more my natural state to sink back and to create the space than what I thought that she needed. So I'm excited each day of like, all right, people, who's showing up? what part of this creation of heart share that is showing up. Yeah. There's an incredible amount of space we give another when we show up as ourselves. It's like they can exhale, you know? Yeah. Oh, I can drop my story. You know, I can drop my stories. Prepo is just exactly as he is. He's presently bored right now. I feel some space to actually be me, which is like, I'm fucking angry at you, you know, whatever it is. Right. And letting that moment come alive, like that's what that's what you did there. Yeah. And it's a beautiful reminder, even as I think about what we are doing, that in the moments when we show up as ourselves and people see that, they're actually more likely to believe what we're saying as well. Yeah, you know? and, and we're modeling that authenticity. Even as littlest thing, I remember when I was with a client and I had to pee and I'm holding in, you know, thinking, all right, looking at the clock and thinking, all right, I can hold it in for another 15 minutes. <laughs> I thought that's ridiculous. So I just came out and the expression that I said was, hey, I just got to tell you, like more attention right now is going towards my bladder. So I want to give you all my attention. I'm going to just step out for a moment. Mm -hmm. When I came back, I remember he said, wow, that was beautiful. I'm like, what was beautiful? He goes, the way that you just gave yourself permission to do that, I want to be able to do that in other forms of, of leaving or taking care of myself. Like you took care of yourself without me feeling any animosity towards it or whatever. And so just being authentic was a modeling for somebody to do that themselves. Where I'm led there. So we, they make her exist in the space of giving, right? And people have a lot of complicated feelings around giving. And most frequently, it's that giving is an obligation. It's an ought, you know? And so when we show up as these perhaps inauthentic, excited, oh, we love giving, we're all about service, let us tell you how it can transform your culture and bring people together, it reinforces that narrative of like, ah, I'm just, I don't feel any connection to this Thomas guy. Like, I, I don't feel that way about giving, right? When we show up as we actually are, which may be like, hey, we believe in this, Today, I might even feel disconnected from it, but here's why I'm still showing up. When you show up from that place, it allows like the head of people's experience, the head of people experience to feel, I can trust him. Mm. I can trust that like he's here for the right reasons. And that is where it's like beautiful. I think about in counseling, when like Alex and I have done couples therapy, if I did not feel our therapist was showing up as himself, I could not show up as myself. I, I, I couldn't do it, you know? I'm like, he's sitting there, he's evaluating us, he's judging us, I don't, I don't feel any connection there. And like, really what I need is your connection. I don't need the fact that you read that book. Like, I can read that book. I need you to tune into this moment and perceive what is going on here and connect into that. Yeah. And when you stand distant from it, like you're removing yourself from that. And maybe right. that's a shield and who knows why, but it's the same thing with Daymaker is um, something that I've really been, it's been alive that I've been struggling with some recently is, the need for validation. So not externally, like we did that whole thing over the past five years. We've played the whole, oh, well, we got the press and now we've made it and now we're happy. Got some awards and <laughs> exactly. all that nice stuff. But now the validation comes from, we're sitting in front of somebody and telling them, they're like, hey, when your employees give together, they're gonna feel more connected to each other. They're gonna be more creative. They're gonna be more open-minded. Healthier. Healthier. It's one we should be throwing in or could be throwing in. Mm -hmm. So, when we go into the head of people experience and we're talking about 
how giving is making their employees more connected, more creative, open-minded, healthier. If we are not coming from our heart in that, that is perceived so very quickly, you know? And we are reinforcing all of the reasons that perhaps they did not want to give in the first place. Hmm. If we're coming from heart in that, they sense that, they feel that, and they believe those words that come out because they're watching us embody that and they're watching us live that. And so as we think about work and our connection or lack thereof, we're doing everybody a disservice by not feeling connected to the work we're doing, to the vocation that we're advocating for, right? Um, because at the end of the day, people can perceive that. And even if it's implicit, like they understand the thread that's beneath that. They understand if I, Thomas, am showing up preaching giving because I don't actually believe in giving, right? And I'm trying to teach myself something, which ties into the validation piece, um, mm -hmm. which is where, where I was going. Oftentimes when we're, when we're pitching these head of people experience is a role we work with often. That's why I keep referencing it. I can fall into a mindset of separation where I need their validation. I need them to look at me and say, yeah, man, service is freaking awesome. The reality is if somebody feels that way, like they're doing well, they don't really need Daymaker. So how do I go into that moment with the knowing that Daymaker is capital T truth? Daymaker knows what it's doing. I'm its servant. And so in that moment, I'm not actually looking for validation, right? I'm looking just to play the game. And so in that way, like the cynical head of people is actually a lot more fun because it makes mm -hmm. the game more interesting, you know? Right. But if I go in not believing what's in my heart, that I need that validation. I need them to tell me that what we're doing is working and it's thriving. And it's, this is not to say you don't get feedback, but this is just to say in that initial like sales opportunity, right? Imagine the same thing with your work. If you really believe that what you're doing is healing and that by two people choosing to show up in that office, something is happening, then you don't need them to walk out raving. You know, you can trust that something was happening there. You can trust that if I prepo was letting the moment come through me, that they got exactly what they needed, even if yeah. I can't see it. And that's tough for these minds because we want to see it, right? We want right. them to walk out and say, man, you saved our relationship, you know? Mm. Or wow, Teammaker is going to transform everything. And maybe that comes and that's beautiful, but also there's validation coming in other ways. Yeah. And I think there's times where I want to play a little bit with that uh, profoundness of the connection. I know what I do sometimes with... Uh, individuals or with couples because pe most people are coming in for connection they want to learn how to have a deeper connection in their relationships so i work with i call it the rabbit's ears of the here and now of our relationship because my relationship with the client is a microcosm of their relationships outside the room so there's going to be a time where i tell clients hey you know let's say that you and i had a funky moment about five minutes ago you know i want to check in with you and there's going to be times I'm going to say, you know, how are we doing? How's the space be right. between us? And if we had a funky moment five minutes before, are you going to tell me? Or are you going to say, we're fine, we're fine? And I'm sensing, wait a second, five minutes ago, we were funky. I wonder if Thomas does that outside the room. Mm. So I want to bring it to people's attention in that way. Mm. Experiment with me. I'm here to take care of you. Mm. You don't have to take care of me. But I love asking, hey, when in, during our session, when did you feel closer to me? When did you feel more distant from me? So not only am I like helping that recognition and that they could actually speak and bring it up where it's harder in a relationship outside of the therapeutic relationship, I'm also engaging in that. Ah, they were closer to me then. That's a good signal for me to know this is how I interact with people. They feel closer or I said or did this and they felt more distant. And so there's a trust also in playing with the moment of what's going on and the authenticness of that, I think people really get like, okay, you know, that's, that's the real deal. I'm having a, an authentic relational moment. And how do we bring more of those into this context where right. oftentimes it's authenticity is not seen as being rewarded, right? Right. It's scary. It's scary to trust that what is is what's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. It's really scary, you know? And if you have a boss, it's even scarier, you know, because maybe right. they're not operating in that paradigm. Because there's a lot of fear in that aspect of the hierarchy of boss and employee. I can't say mm. the wrong thing. I got to please the boss. I got to just shut mm. up. I just got to toe the line. Yeah. Which to me is where we really go wrong in the Western world. And that starts in school, you know, right? like there's a right and there's a wrong and the right is a certain mold and it doesn't really matter what's going on in your heart, you know, because this is right and this is wrong. And that carries over into everything we do. I mean, the relationships we have with our first and second grade teachers are the relationships we have with our bosses. And as I say that, I think about the people that work with Daymaker and I'm like, wow, I hope they would never say that about me. Maybe I should check in there, you know? 
Maybe I should check in if they feel the space really, truly to speak what is alive for them. Because we talk about like the being that is daymaker, right? The being that is daymaker is energetically really tied to me. And it's also really energetically tied to everybody who has created in the past, everybody who will create in the future, and everybody who is creating now. If they are not feeling like they can come from the heart, like that is polluting and damaging like the radiance that is daymaker, right? And so if I'm not building a space where those people feel like they can come fully alive, like Daymaker's being harmed by that, right? And in that way, it's like such a beautiful, like tying back to the beginning, the spiritual practice, you know? Mm -hmm. How do I do everything in my power to make sure it's as many open hearts that are touching and loving Daymaker? And how do I also trust that even the gross stuff, the chunky stuff that comes up with people, if it's from their heart, Daymaker's inviting that in. You know, it's welcoming that. Yeah, It's saying like, this is what's alive for you. Bring it in here because in some way it's going to lead to truth, you know? And so as a, as a boss, are you reaching out for employee feedback because it's the right thing to do, you know? Or are you reaching out because you really, really trust what's alive in them, even if it slows you down, right? right. Even if it halts your progress towards your business goals, maybe that needed to come in. Yeah, I think it needed to come in because if people can relate to that on a authentic moment of human interaction, they're gonna to wanna to be in that company. They're gonna to wanna to represent that organization. When I was in the corporate world, that was a big reminder to me around that is, you know, in these interactions, as you said, making work a, a, a spiritual practice, the awakening for people to really understand that they get to they get to experiment with sides of themselves of how they wanna interact and that not just put it inside and compartmentalize for uh, spiritual, religious practice, or showing up with their family at work. This is it. This. How do I wanna stretch those parts of myself and go to the aspect of moving through conflict in a understanding, in a compassionate way? There's so many opportunities to do that in the work environment, and yeah. to trust that the producing and the effect is going to take care of itself when people are really showing up in that authentic way makes me think people want to live out their values. We have an essence and we want to live it. And we are aware consciously or subconsciously of when we are denying that essence. And companies that are asking people to deny their essence are not gonna thrive. And maybe they won in the short term, right? Right. Because there was an innovation or because they had a lot of money and they could beat the market, but that does not win in the long run. And that is why giving is like being birthed, this desire for service is being birthed in the context of the corporate world because that is our innate wiring as humans. We are wired to want to help. We are wired to be generous. And so companies that see that and help celebrate that and amplify those values within their people are building healthier, more vibrant, more enriched workplaces. And those that are denying that are asking people to deny something that is innate to them, a connection to others that is innate to them, and the workplace is not going to thrive in the long run. So that's beautiful. And I don't know how we got there as a society, but I really feel that more than the lip service of putting out CSR reports or doing the right thing to tell in a marketing campaign, companies are like tuning into their people and realizing if this space isn't one that aligns with their values, we're not going to keep them, you know? Mm -hmm. And that is beautiful. That is beautiful that in some world in 15 or 20 years, people walk into those walls and say like, I am, I am my full embodied self here. You know, I'm not leaving anything at home. I'm not bringing anything home that isn't myself. Like I can be here. I can live these values. And and then they're not burnt out when they come home. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. alive in it. Any people or story experiences come up for you around that transformation? Or maybe you had some part in it, but uh, you've seen people, organization really wake up to that aspect of what giving and being of service has really brought to their their lives as individual organization. So I think of a story from a company that was in kind of the model for how Daymaker could be. It was called Illuminate Education. And it was started by a guy, Lane Rankin, who I'm lucky enough to call a friend and a mentor, and he helps a lot with Daymaker at present. It was his third company, so we had the space to be like, we're going to do it this certain way. But he built a place, giving and service played a really big role. But also they had things called like carefrontations where there was never a time an employee was allowed to talk behind another employee's back. And if somebody caught that, they would say, you need a carefrontation. You need mm-hmm. to go and just like have this conversation. I will hold the space. 
And they had a lot of those like trinkets, right? Like these things that were just imbued into the culture that the people bought into because you're a new employee and you're skeptical, but the 35 other people are doing it. So you're going to do it. And so from a business side, Illuminate ended up like beating all of their competitors, like got to certain thresholds four times faster than anybody else, right? Although everyone was saying like, Lane, you're crazy. Like, what is all this hippie stuff you're talking about? This isn't going to work. And at the same time, he still sometimes shares messages with me of people coming back and saying, you know, and I was so alive at Illuminate. I was a better person because every day I walked into that space and that space shaped me. So that serves as an inspiration for me, for Daymaker, that that is possible in the context of, of work. And it also makes me think on the previous thread that giving is something that actually can be pretty scary. And we talked about this a little before and it feels really alive now. To truly give and feel the goodness, you have to drop the wall that you are separate. You don't have access to that deep connection if you're giving from a place of, I am better than, I have more than, I know more than, right? You could give, you can write the check, cool, write it off on your taxes. If you wanna feel that heart opening, that like belonging to this vibrant greater thread that holds us together, you cannot give from a place of separation. And so in that way, giving is like, it's this vehicle to understand so much about how we relate to humans and where our barriers to love are and how those can come down. I say that because in the context of a company, I think people can be scared to say that they wanna give, right? Mm. It can be scary to say to you, I wanna give more to you people. How do I give more, right? Because I don't know exactly how, and it could be scary. And then there's deep intimacy in giving and receiving and- How maybe, much more are you gonna want from me? What's my capacity Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so all of that comes up and that's where I think it's so beautiful and juicy because giving is like, it's not about giving. It's just giving generosity is a snapshot of something so much more beautiful that's playing out as humans. Um, but how do you allow people in the space of a company to explore that, explore something that can be pretty scary that is very relationship driven. You know, you like, and that's why giving together, we've seen so much greater impact when people are giving together than giving alone, right? The effect is really amplified. And it's also scary because you're relating to somebody else in that, you know, you're letting down that wall that says, well, why did you give? And the person's like, well, honestly, because growing up, I kind of loved it, you know? And I know that like we're in investment banking now, but like, I really like helping people, you know? And that person then has a space to be like, yeah, I feel really bad about how much money we're making. And I, this is like my step in starting somewhere. And that relationships that can form through the letting down of walls in order to give, like that's it to me. Mm -hmm. There's a lot there. You know, sometimes I think about giving and receiving as this kind of like cyclical aspect that I know when I talk about appreciations and the giving and receiving of, of that, I think in order to be a really, really good giver, you also have to be a really, really good receiver. Also to be a really, really good receiver, you gotta be a really, really good giver. You know, if we're talking about just the oscillator of the heart symbolizing giving, I'm no doctor, but I would imagine when the blood flow comes into into the heart, if it just, if I just hold it there, that's gonna explode. Yeah. If I just receive it, it's gonna explode. But if I just keep giving it out, it's also gonna just disintegrate because it's got not it's not cyclical. Yeah. So I'm just curious of like what comes up for, for people around the receiving end of giving. Any thoughts? So two threads. One, just some context for the listeners. All the children receiving through Daymaker are coming from 501c3s around the country that are working in high trauma, high poverty communities. So this could be a boys and girls club, this could be a title one school, this could be a public housing agency. So these are organizations that are working consistently with these children and they upload these children to Daymaker to be served by companies and their employees. So very early on, we realized like, wow, there's actually a lot of damage being done on the receiving side of, of just charity in general, right? People may get the backpack, they may get the lift to pay the utility bill, and they may get the free launch, but they're being told that they are less than by taking mm -hmm. that, right? They're being made feel small in order to receive. So very early on with Daymaker, which is something I'm now proud of, is we're like, we're not gonna reinforce that. You know, These gifts aren't gonna come from the donors sitting in a San Francisco corporate tower. They're gonna come from that person, but they're gonna be presented to the child from the parent or from the teacher in a way that's really congruent and empowers that child. And so that was a thread that is still really alive for us. And how are, how is the gift being received? Now something that is also really alive is how is the person giving, receiving back from that child? 
And the story that I feel there, um, one of the favorite organizations we work with of, of mine is iGrow Chicago. And so they are in the south side of Chicago at 64th and South Honore, which was one of the most violent blocks in Chicago in 2013. They went in and they built a peace house. And so they said like, look, we just wanna build a place for people to come back, to show up, to like be themselves. And they do some meditation and yoga and they have a room downstairs with extra supplies that people need. It's a really beautiful love-based space. And when I go there, I get so much freaking love from that place. You know, I am there in theory, in some capacity giving, right? Daymaker gives a lot of gifts through iGrow Chicago. I might be there volunteering, but like, holy shit, I get so much more than I give Hmm. from there, right? And there's some guilt in that, you know, like I'm going to this place that is in theory, very resource deprived, has been ignored by society and the people of downtown Chicago. And like, that is where I can get, I like that's where I'm the most alive. And think about Alexa, who spends a lot of time in Afghanistan. Like that is where she is the most alive. And these places where she is giving, right? She is coming on behalf of an international agency and implementing a program and doing some good. And she is getting so much life from that. And so it's like on this, my, like my intent bracelet, right? It, it says receive because I'm like, I don't know how to receive, you know? Mm. And so they say, we teach what we, what we need to learn. And I'm like, yes. And also we teach the flip side of what we need to learn, right? For all the talk I spend, for all the time I spend talking about giving, like how do I receive, right? And for all the people giving through Daymaker, like how do we let them receive that moment? How do we let them receive that spark that maybe they're not so separate? Maybe they're not so different, you know? And that maybe actually seeing yourself as more similar to that seven-year-old Latino kid in the South side of Chicago, seeing yourself as more similar is gonna make you feel closer to yourself, closer to those around you, closer to the world. Where the dominant story says that you wanna be different from him. You know, he is poor, he is uneducated, he is all of these things, be different, right? Show that you are different. Give to show that you have money and he does not, right? Mm. But you let all that fall away and goodness, you're like, wow, I'm not walking around as a separate being in this merciless universe, you know? Wow, I'm connected to this thread. And so for me, that is like the, one of the arcing questions of Daymaker, you know? How do we let people receive what they are giving? And then in the same way that you talk about, you gotta be a really good receiver to be a good giver and a good giver to be a good receiver. How does it no longer become about giving and receiving, but rather just just like this flow just keeps going and it makes me think of Lewis Hyde and the gift, which I don't know if you've read, but it's about the origins of gift and ties back to a lot of the indigenous cultures and how they give. And a gift was never a gift if it stopped flowing. Mm. It was only a gift if it kept going. And people felt that if you stopped the flow of the gifts, you were stuck with bad luck, right? Bad things would come because gifts are made to keep on going. And so in all relationships, it's this circular model that you speak of, right? Like the pay it forward type. Yeah. Mm. And not just pay it forward in terms of money, but also pay it forward in terms of the the love that one feels, you know, because... I promise you, if done well, the people giving on Daymaker are getting a lot more than the people receiving, if we do it well. Right. No. No. Do they ever really speak to that? How much that they are getting from giving? So we're just starting to like think about that, to talk about it, to maybe try to measure it, because we do have to go back to a company and say, here's what's going on, you know? We can show you your people are feeling closer to the world around them because of this. Something I shared earlier is we just launched something called the solidarity message, which is after you give, we encourage you to write a message as if the child you had just helped would read it, right? Um, and you type it into a form, takes 30 to 60 seconds, you hit submit, it goes to our backend, it's not going anywhere yet. But the freaking messages that people have capable inside of them, um, the one that comes to mind is when I shared a little bit earlier, it was something along the lines of like, you are full of infinite dreams your dreams are not dictated by your circumstances. You are infinite light. I see you as that, right? And when that backpack, that engineering kit, that book is sent with that intention, like golly gee, that's doing something, you know? And that person is getting so much back, so much back from that act. And yeah, there's so much there. And then it makes me think about the fairness thread that we were bringing up. I'm Mm -hmm. like, how much are we measuring that we're giving versus receiving? And there's a story in my head that I only give in order to receive. So, well, you know, 
I brought prepo bread when I came over, and at some point I'm going to get something back, you know. Mm-hmm. And my brain tells myself that that's why you did that, you know. But in reality, I brought you bread because I wanted you to taste this really yummy thing that Alexa made, yeah. <laughs> you know. And and you gave it back to me right away in love. But I'm sure something beautiful will come back too. You got a banana muffin. I did get a really good <laughs> banana rhubarb muffin. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, so when we trust that, that it is going to come back instead of the intention that it's got to come back and also the attachment to what kind of form Mm. and so forth, yeah. Because then we start playing that, again, that checklist and it's so divided. We're out of that space of in the flow of that it's going to just be this natural process. Yeah, and that's Mm. where nature's our great teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Keeps on giving. It's Mm -hmm. not keeping score, it's playing the long game, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And meanwhile, our species, which is playing the short game and measuring the giving and receiving is on a rate of extinction a lot faster than the trees that we see around us. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Sweet, man. This is sweet. I really enjoyed rapping with you on this. <laughs> yeah. You're alive. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that. And on a selfish note, I'm thinking, man, I got a new friend and he's my neighbor, <laughs> man, just down the street. So I'm, um, I'm really looking forward to hanging out with you more and mm. I would love to have you more on the on the podcast and we can rap about things. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of really beautiful threads. Of course we care about giving, but I see it as a as a lens for so much, you know. On a final note, how you receive any gift is how you receive the gifts of life in general. How you receive the moment that we talked about very early on, right? And so if anything, it's just a little playground. Like, how am I receiving love from people? How am I receiving the feeling that I get when I give? And that is teaching me something so much larger about how do I receive life? Yeah. You know, how do I receive just what is, trusting that it is for me? And it's not this merciless universe, you know? Right. The fact that the tire went out is not an accident. There's a gift there, right? That's right. And as you say in your podcast, you attune to that, life's going to feel good. Yeah. You know, if you attune to that tire going out as some gift in some form for you to learn how to receive, Life's going to flow, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to having this little break and going down and have a little bit of that sourdough bread that Alexa made. Absolutely. Like, and also uh, not to glance over, I'm so pumped that you and your loveliest partner in the world are down our road mm. and we can come and just kick it and hang and I can absorb all of the gifts that you have to share. So same here. Same a lot here, of brother. gratitude for stumbling upon you mm-hmm. in the driveway. On the road. <laughs> On the road. The road to truth. Yes. Thanks, brother. Good stuff. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by Auxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today faster and easier. Try it for free at auxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. Auxbus. Thank you.